We are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. I'm so excited to share this message that I've been working on for literally months, and I believe it's going to speak to you if you give me your attention for the next 30 minutes. Imagine this, Jesus, Resurrection Sunday. He's crucified on Friday. But then imagine it's early morning on that Sunday and Jesus comes back to life. The angel rolls away the stone blocking the entrance of his tomb. Jesus walks out. The flowers are still fresh from the burial. Jesus walks out of his own tomb. Three days earlier, he was beaten to a bloody pulp. The Bible says he was unrecognizable as a human. He was beaten so bad. 39 lashes represents our sins, our sickness. Here Jesus is and walking out of his tomb and the flowers are fresh and if I were Jesus, I know my next move would be like, let's throw a party, right? Like, let, let's, let's throw down, fire up the grill, get some brisket, get some ribs. Come on, somebody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Let's throw a party. If I'm Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably call the paper or the news and let's do a press release, right? I'm Jesus. I was dead. I'm the man. What's up now? You all thought I was dead. I'm alive. Hmm? If, if, if I was Jesus, I, I probably would go to my closest friends and let them know, hey, I told y'all I was getting up. The soldiers came. Tomb was empty. He gone. If I was Jesus, I, I'd probably go to my boys and be like, listen, you know, here I am. I'd probably go to my mother, my, uh, my friends, my closest People and let them know I've, I've risen from the dead. But here we find Jesus, and the very first thing he does after he walks out of that tomb is he takes a walk. Takes a walk, and it's not just a short walk, it's a seven mile walk. And the story is found in Luke chapter 24, and it provides, with, provides for us a map. It provides for us a a template, if you will, for our life and our journey in life. I want you to look at this, Luke chapter 24. It says this, the same day, what, what same day? The same day Jesus walked out of that tomb. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, a town called Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened and they talked and discussed these things. Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, we're going to call him Cleo for short. Is that all right? He's our main character today, Cleo. And one of them, Cleo, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here the last few days. 
So here we find Jesus. And the first thing he does after he walks out of that tomb, defeats death, is he goes on a walk with Cleo. And most scholars say the other person walking with Cleo says there was two people. Most scholars say it's Cleo's wife. So we're going to call her Miss Cleo. Is that all right? Y'all get that? Okay. So we got Cleo and Miss Cleo, our main characters today. And Obviously, their hearts are saddened. Obviously, they're, they're going through some emotional pain, and you know they're leaving Jerusalem. Check this out. They're leaving the very place where Jesus was crucified, where his tomb was, and they start walking back to their hometown of Emmaus. So on this seven-mile journey, Emmaus, it was a really an unknown kind of town. It was kind of not even on most maps. Most people didn't know where Emmaus was. And it was a seven-mile journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It was a long, seven-mile dirty road that they were walking on. Here they find themselves hopeless. Here they find themselves wondering why didn't he raise himself from the dead like he said he would. These two people, these two individuals, Cleo and Miss Cleo, are walking away from Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the epicenter for Christianity. Jerusalem is where all the sacrificial uh, things happen in the temple there, and, and that's where all the Christians went for Passover. And so they're leaving the very place of Christianity, and they're walking to an unknown town named Emmaus, and Jesus shows up on the journey, shows up all of a sudden on this journey. Today, we too are going to take a journey, a seven-mile walk, to discover this, that God will always meet us on the journey, even when we take detours, even when we take detours. Now, if we're going to be on a journey, i got a few items that we need to bring on the journey. Are you ready? We ain't playing no games up in here. First of all, we need a map, right? We've got to know where we're going. If we're walking seven miles today, we've got to know where we're going. Okay? Did you bring your walking shoes today? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay. I, give me my J's. Come here. All right. Just hang on real quick. Talk to your neighbor. Let them know they look fly. If you're single, just go ahead and mingle real quick. <laughs> you may find your mate here. I'm just saying I found my wife in church. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Come on, somebody. I'm just getting my J's on. I don't, I, those shoes are very uncomfortable. If we're walking seven miles, man, I need my J's on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I got any sneaker heads in here like me? Like, should I feed the kids or buy J's? <laughs> we're going to buy J's. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're doing in my house. You're starving. You're eating Raymond noodles for the next seven days. I need my $150 J's. So we, so we got our J's. We got, we got the map. Um, if you're like me, man, when I go on trips, man, like, like I need snacks. <laughs> Do I have any snackers in here? Like, you eat dinner, but then 45 minutes later, you want snacks? Where you at? Where you at? Raise your hand in the air like you just don't care. Come on now. Yeah, where are my snackers at? I love snacks, man. So, so, so when we go on trips, man, we pack the car down, man. We got barbecue Fritos, man. We got the M&Ms, plain and peanut. What's up? We throw down some snacks. So I thought, man, if we're going to be on a journey, Barb, we need some, you know what I'm talking about. If you're new here, like I talk about these every Sunday. <laughs> I tried to get the board to allow me to do communion with them, and they shot it down. <laughs> like, we ain't doing it. So uh, anyway, um, I thought, man, 
well, you know what I need to do? I need to bring some hot, fresh, some hot, fresh Krispy Kremes. Because we're going on a seven-mile walk. How many know you need some carbohydrates, right? And so, so I, I got this for you guys. And uh, we're, we're going to, you guys ready? You guys ready? So we got some rice cakes. How many love rice cakes? We're praying for you right now. Actually, there's a special room in the basement to the right. Please go down there right now. Um, uh, we got some raw carrots. Come on. How many like raw carrots? Um, and then we got something called kale. Like, the other day, like, I know your intentions, you know, uh, you're trying to keep me healthy, but a lady came up, you know, have you ever tried these kale chips? No, I don't want to try kale chips. I want to try barbecue chips that are dripping with grease and oil. I don't want no, nothing to do with kale. Well, you got to try this new kale shake. It'll really make you healthy. I don't want to be healthy then. I want chips and I want lots of them. I want my hands greasy. I want them all messy. Amen? So, my title today is this. It isn't what it is, but it is what it is. Can you say that with me, Fuel Church? It isn't what it is, but it is what it is. I love this about Jesus because here we find Jesus, the Messiah. He just resurrected himself from the grave. He's dead. He resurrected himself, and he, he, he goes and joins Cleo and Miss Cleo on this walk, on this journey. As, as they're journeying back to their hometown, as their hearts have been shattered, their, their hopes have been diminished, Jesus joins them on the detour of their life. Have you ever been on a detour? Have you ever taken a family trip and just, it got totally messed up when you started driving? Come on, don't point to your husband. I know he is stubborn as can be when it comes to directions. I figured this out. I figured that we just went on a trip a few weeks ago and, and down, the, down south, and, and, and I figured this out, that, that, that little lady on the GPS, you ever notice it's always a female voice? You know why? You, got, you don't want me to tell you why? You want to know Why? All the men should want to know why. Well, women have 15,000 more words a day to speak than men. So they put the lady's voice on there because she got to get more words out. Come on, I love the women up in here. Come on, give it up for all our women, though. We love you. Husbands, here's, here's a good cue. Just nod your head, smile, look in her direction once in a while. You don't have to listen. I know you're not here. Just, yeah, babe, that sounds good. Sports center. Yeah, that's a great. I love it. Anyway. We're going on this trip, and we get, we're on 75, and we get, uh, we're in Kentucky at this point. And, and, you know, for me, like, I got everything planned on the trip, right? Like, when we get to the condo, we're going we're gonna to do this, and we're going to unpack, and, and then we got reservations at this place, and we're going to do all this, and I got it all calculated. Come on, do I have anybody that does that like me? Like, like this is what we're going to do. We spending, you know, $20,000, come on, <laughs> to go on spring break. I'm just kidding, but if we're spending this much money, then, then we're going to, you know, utilize our time. And so, so the, the little lady says, um, go a different direction right? And, and it's all red on the map. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's all red. And I look at my wife, and I said, what should I do? And she said, you better listen to the lady. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Well, it didn't work for Adam. Anyway. Um, anyway. Anyway, we're moving right along here. We're having a great time at Fuel Church. Happy Easter. Love your pink shirt. Um, and so, 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 uh, she's like, you better listen to it. And I 
I said, oh, man, I don't want to get off 75. Like, we're in the, the, the hills. You know, when they, the hills? Like, they talk like the hills. And, and so it takes me in this route, and I'm going through these hills and these hollers. They call them hollers. And, like, like there's not even a Coke machine in these little towns. And, and like, like, I'm, like, freaking out because all I see is trucks, shotguns, and a lot of rednecks. <laughs> And I'm like, what? Like, my, my wife has to pee. And I'm like, baby, I am not letting you out in any of these towns. Like, my son had to pee. I'm like, there's a tree over there. I'll pull off the side. Go pee real quick, son. Come on. Hurry up. I didn't care about him. You know, go pee. Find a tree. Um, but, but I didn't let my wife out. I'm like, I don't know what these people are going to do. Like, this is scary stuff, right? Here we are traveling through. And, 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 you know, they call them the hollers. I don't know if it's because you can stand on one side of the valley and holler to your friend that's 40 miles away and it kind of bounces off, or if it's the men hollering because the women don't shave there. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know really what's going on, but I, I, I don't know. If you're from Kentucky, don't take offense, okay? If you are offended, you can email us at we do not care at thefuelchurch.com. We'd love to ha- read your email. And, and, and so, 30-minute detour, going through places that we didn't plan, taking up more of our time. I want to be on the beach, y'all. Come on now. I want to be on the beach. I want to be at the restaurant eating me some coconut shrimp. Come on. Yeah. And this detour throws everything off. And sometimes that happens in life, doesn't it? But I'm thankful, I'm thankful for this, that when life doesn't go the way I intended to go, and when I make some bad choices that caused the detour, some of you know what I'm talking about. I've been there. Made some bad choices that caused the detour, that God will always meet me on the detour. God will always meet me there. Here's Cleo and Miss Cleo, and they're journeying back home. Their heads are hanging. But Jesus shows up. Jesus, why don't you go do a press release or something? Why don't you get the news cameras and talk about I'm the resurrection and the life and why don't you print some shirts or, you know, some snackbacks and why don't you, why don't you get your gear out? No, Jesus says, I, I want to follow. I, I want to find these two individuals and I want to have a conversation with them and I want to talk to them about life and I want to let them know it's going to be all right. So Jesus followed them to the wrong place at the wrong time. They were going in the wrong direction because grace will always follow you even when you go the wrong way. Even when you take your own detour in life, Jesus will always catch up with you and follow you on the journey. How many times was God there when you did your thing? How many times was he there when you turned your back on him? How many times was he there when one wrong choice after another? You know, you know where this got you last time, but you just keep doing it. How many times God was there for me, failing him time and time again, but God was there with me on the journey? He's with you on the journey. It doesn't really matter to me where you're at in life, where your belief system is. You may not believe, that's all right, you still belong. You may not behave, that's all right, you still belong. Because you're God's child. And whether you have that revelation or not yet, that really doesn't matter. God's with you on the journey. God's with you on the journey. 
this whole thing, the reason we're here today is not about for us to check off some religious box and say, yay, I went to church on Easter. This whole thing isn't, yay, I'm good till next Easter. Praise God. I went to church. Let me check in at Fuel Church so all my friends see. Let me put up my Easter picture because I got, you know, this on or that on. No, this whole thing is all about a journey. And we all have the same starting place of the journey. We all have the same starting line. It starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. But we're all on, at different places and spaces on the journey. And so at Fuel Church, we just say, hey, start the journey. No matter where you're at in life, no matter how many times you've failed, no matter how many times you've went the wrong way, no matter how many times you've taken detour after detour, get on the journey and watch Jesus meet you right where you're at. Right where you're at. Well, I just thought I had to look a certain way and go through classes and have a certain Bible knowledge or a certain spiritual level, and I got to wear a suit, and I got to wear a tie, and I got to do this and do that. No, 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 no. No, that's called works-based salvation. That's called works. You see, you and I aren't good enough to come to God. That's why he sent Jesus to the cross. You and I couldn't do enough good works to get approved. You and I couldn't do enough deeds. We couldn't give enough money to get our sins forgiven. Jesus had to go to the cross. And now because of the cross, I can journey and I can follow Christ. And though I fail, the Bible says the righteous fall seven times, but the Lord always lifts them up. If the Lord lifts you up, he's right beside you on the journey. He's close enough to you on the detour to lift you up on the journey. It isn't what it is, but it is what it is. It's all about the journey. It's not about religion. Some of you have been taught religion in your life. Well, if I go there, you know, then the priest can forgive me of my sin. No, no priest can forgive you of your sins. Only Jesus, once and for all, died for the sins of all of humanity. All you have to do is start the journey. Man, I'm afraid I'm going to mess up. Yep, you are. You are. You're going to fall. I'm here to tell you. Well, you know, I had this that I, you know, on the side, nobody knows about this little struggle, this little habit, this little temptation, this little thing that I'm dealing with. Start the journey. Welcome to the crowd. We all got this little thing. I know some of you are like, man, I just thought, you know, I had to, have, I had to be perfect before I could even come here. Like, if I go to the church, the building's going to collapse. Like, if I go, everybody's going to hell and with me. <laughs> No, no, no. God's not looking for perfect people. He's just looking for people that will surrender and start the journey. They say, I can't do life on my own. Like, like, I don't know how people do it without God. Like, I have struggles. I have temptations. I have a family. I have three kids. I have a marriage. I have, I have friends. And, you know, I'm just like, I don't know. I couldn't do life without God. Because when, when I'm struggling, when I feel like, man, I'm unworthy to even lift my hands. I'm unworthy to even sing these songs. But then when I look at the cross and I look at what Jesus did for me, that he made me worthy, that he is holy even when I'm unholy, that he took my mess, he took my mistakes and turned it into a miracle. Come on, somebody. That's enough to shout on Easter. Even if you know, shout. Hmm. Jesus, 40 days. The Bible says from the time he resurrected from the dead, he had 40 days on earth, and then he was going up to sit at the right hand of the Father. 40 days he had. That's a short time. He chooses to have his first encounter with Cleo and Miss Cleo. Why? 
Why, Jesus? What are, you, what are you trying to tell us through this conversation you had? What are you trying to speak to us today at Field Church? A few things that Jesus is speaking to us that I want to pull out of the Scripture. Time doesn't allow me to pull everything, but I want to show you this, that the Bible says that they didn't even recognize who Jesus was. They're walking. He shows up in the middle of their journey. They got seven miles to go. All of a sudden, Jesus shows up, and the Bible says they didn't even know who he was. Now, we know they were followers of Jesus. We know that. When we study it out, we know that they were in Jerusalem because of the crucifixion. They were in Jerusalem. The Passover was going on. We know that. And so the Bible says that they didn't recognize him. See, there have been times when life sends me down the path of the unknown that I didn't even recognize that God was there all along. How many, how many times in your life do you rewind and say, man, that was God? Some, some of you do that. Some of you say that. I say that. Some of you never been in church and you're like, man, I know God protected me from that accident. I know God protected my kids. He did. It was God all along. They didn't recognize him. It, 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 was, it was God. You see, I didn't recognize that that. Now my marriage is stronger. God was there when my marriage was broken. God was there and he healed my marriage and he restored my marriage. I didn't recognize at the time, but when I went through the physical pain of two back surgeries, God was there. God was there. He was there. I didn't recognize that I had to lose it all to discover who he was. God was there. God was there. I didn't recognize at the time that my story of a broken heart would help others one day. God was there in the brokenness of your life. Hmm? Sometimes God speaks the loudest in the quietest of moments in our life. God is there. God is there. You may say, man, I feel far from God, but God is with you. He's there. But I turn my back on God. He's there with you. But I did this, I did that. He's there with you. Sometimes we don't recognize that God is with us on this journey. Jesus said, hey, what are you concerned about? The Bible says they stopped and with sadness written across their faces. You would have thought, thought Jesus would want to be around happy people, right? Resurrection, it's a happy moment, but Jesus chooses to be around sad people. He chooses to be around discouraged people, people who were depressed. Why? Because God is never intimidated by our sorrow or our sadness. He shows up in the moments, even when we are sad and when we are down. He shows up in our fears. He shows up in our doubts. He shows up in our unbeliefs. So if you got some unbeliefs, you got some fears, you got some doubts about God, you got some questions, welcome to the club. We all do. We all do. It's a journey. It's a seven-mile journey. I call it the seven-mile miracle because at the end of the journey, something spectacular happens that can produce a miracle in your life. Are you with me today? Jesus, this conversation, they still don't recognize him. They're probably on mile three by now, a little close to being halfway to Emmaus, and Cleopas says this, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened in the last few days. Cleo's like, hey, you're the only one that hasn't heard that Jesus was crucified and that 
He's still in the grave. You're the only one that hasn't heard. It's funny that he starts telling Jesus what happened to Jesus. <laughs> Mr. Cleo's like, what had happened was um, Jesus, yeah, uh, you don't know about it. Everyone in J-Town knows, Jerusalem. Everyone in J-Town knows. And Cleo's like, listen, what happened, he said on the third day he was going to get back up. But, but it didn't happen. He's like, you don't know? And Jesus is kind of like, oh, I know. I know what happened. But Jesus goes along with it in verse 19, you'll see here. He says, what things? Jesus asks. He's playing along. He says, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. Talking about Jesus. They said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles and a mighty teacher in the eyes of all the people. Did you see this? Cleo says, he was. Someone say, he was. He goes, he was a prophet that did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher. You see, what had happened was this. Cleo and Miss Cleo were stuck on what was instead of what is. I insert this into my message. Sometimes in life, we are stuck on what was, and we don't live in what is. What was a bad mistake, that's the past. It's behind you. Go ahead and bury that thing. What was a wrong decision is behind you. Don't be stuck in what was. That bad relationship is behind you. God brought you a new relationship. Live in what is and not is what was. And church people are good at this, bringing up people's what was instead of letting them live in what is. Jesus, though, the Bible says that when we sin and we ask for forgiveness, that our sins are thrown in the sea of forgetfulness. But Christians, because some of them live in what was, they take the fishing pole out and start fishing for people's what was. But Jesus says, listen, I already forgave their sin. I got amnesia. I don't even know what you're talking about. So we, can't, we don't have to live in what was. We need to live in what is. Come on, somebody. That'll make a Baptist shout up in here. They were stuck in what was. Are you missing what is because you're stuck in what was? You can't turn back time. You never notice that? You can't rewind that bad decision you made? I wish I could, right? How many wish you could rewind some things in your life? The rest of you are lying. We've got a prayer room for you too. I wish I could go back, but you can't. We have a saying here, admit it, quit it, forget it. Admit it, quit it, forget it. Admit it, quit it, forget it. Move forward. Live in what is, not in what was. Amen? They, they go on to have this conversation on this seven-mile journey, and Cleo then says, we had hoped that he was the Messiah. We, we, everything, everything, all of our trust, all of our hope, all of our dreams, all of our ambitions were tied up in the Messiah. And we, we had hoped that this was him and that he was the one to come and rescue all of humanity. But, but it didn't turn out that way. It was hopeless for them. Their standpoint, it was over. Has your hope ever been dashed, deflated, or defeated? 
Have you ever felt like it's over for you, for your marriage, for your family? Have you, have you, ever, ho- have you ever been hopeless? H- have you ever been so low that you really didn't care if life went on? I, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. I walked through a valley of depression years ago. It was a hopeless time in my life, and I've, I've always been a happy, clappy person. You know what I'm saying? And I woke up. After my first back surgery, I remember the week after, and I went down into a valley of depression for many weeks. I didn't get out of bed. I didn't check my text messages. I didn't phone calls. I didn't go to work. My wife's like, what's going on? She'd come and turn the blinds up. I would shut the blinds. She said, you got to come out. You got to eat. I said, no, I don't want to. I wasn't suicidal, but I didn't really care about life. I was just like, I got kids. I can't pick them up. I can't play with them. I can't go out in the yard with them because of my back issues. And I was just like, I thought this surgery was going to be it. And there I was at the bottom and no hope was there. There I found myself hopeless. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. So when you, when you find yourself hopeless, you're, you're, you get depressed and oppression tries to come on you. But when desire comes, the Bible says it's a, as a tree of life. Something about hope that changes everything. Something about hope that changes your whole mindset, that changes your whole thinking. I don't know where you're at, what hopeless situation looks bleak to you. I don't, I don't, know, what, I don't know your struggle. I don't know your hurt, your hang-up, or your habits, but God does. And God will show up in the valley of hopelessness. God will show up. Well, you just don't understand, man. I've just... That was my last straw. I did too many wrong things, too many bad things. No, God will show up in the valley of hopelessness. Don't judge the journey before it's over. Don't judge the journey before it's over. You're basing your life off of one bad chapter when you've got a whole book to write. Your life's not done. God's not through with you. Well, you don't know. No, God's not through with you. God's in the business of taking jokers, smokers, and midnight tokers. Come on, somebody. There's a song about that back in the day. I'm a smoker. I'm a joke. Okay, anyway. I don't care where you're at in your walk. You say, well, I got this addiction to weed. I got this addiction to pills or alcohol. I don't care where you're at. God's not done with you. This whole church is full of people who are addicted. This whole church is full of people who are on the journey, and we allow them to come to this place no matter what they look like, no matter what they wear, no matter what their struggle is, and we allow them to get stronger on the journey, and we embrace them on the journey. And when they fall, we pick them back up, and we speak life into them. Don't judge the journey till it's over. You had one bad chapter. Don't discount the rest of your life because of one bad chapter. God is not done with you. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up, and you'll get stronger and stronger and stronger. And before long, that addiction will be in your past. That struggle will be behind you, and it will be what was and not what is. Somebody give God a praise clap. You ever notice that a journey, it, it takes you to the same, de- or a detour rather, it takes you to the same destination, it may just take a little different view and take a little longer, doesn't it? You're going to get to the end. 
You're going to get to the end. Just keep journeying with Jesus. He's there with you. Here he is with Cleo and Miss Cleo, and their conversation's coming to an end. They're on the sixth mile probably by now, and we hear Cleo say this. It's, it's the third day. It's the third day. He, he, he told us. He told us on the third day he was going to be raised from the dead, but it didn't happen. It didn't happen. In their minds, in their minds, it was a dead end. It was, it was over for them. It was over. I'm thankful that Jesus always finds us, even when we aren't looking for him. He always finds us on the detour. Even when we think it's over, even when we feel we've hit a dead end, Jesus always finds us on the road to Emmaus. And it may be mile marker number two for you. It may be three. It may be four. It may be five. It may be six. But he'll find you. He'll find you on the journey. It goes on to say that as they walked, notice it says, as they walked. This journey following Christ is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's not going to happen overnight. See, some of you thought, I'll clean myself up first before I come to God. I'll clean myself up before I come to church. No, 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 no. It's a, it, it's a marathon, not a sprint. We're not, we're not trying to be perfected overnight. Actually, we're not, the Bible says we're not going to be perfected until we get to heaven. So if you're looking for a perfect church, a perfect pastor, a perfect leadership, you're not going to find it here. Because we're all imperfect people serving a perfect Savior. And we just journey, journeying following the perfect Savior. He's the one we follow. And we'll fail you. I'm just saying it. We'll fail you at times. We won't meet all your expectations. I'm sorry. We're not perfect. So it says, as they walked, as they walked. Say that with me. As they walked, as they're on this journey, it's coming to an end. And they still don't recognize him as Jesus. But then something powerful happens. When they saw the end, it was really the beginning. Watch this. Watch this. I want to tune in with me three minutes and then we're done. What they saw as the end was really the beginning. You see, the journey starts where you are, but where it ends depends on you. The journey starts where you are, but where it ends depends on you. They thought it was over. They thought this is the end. But new life begins when old things die. What you saw as the ending was really God's setup for the beginning. Now watch this, watch this. The Bible says that they get to Emmaus. After their seven-mile journey, they're exhausted, they're hungry. They've conversated with Jesus for the last seven miles. They sit down at the house of Cleo and Miss Cleo. And the Bible says that they begin to break bread. And something powerful happens. They walk from Jerusalem, the epicenter of Christianity, they walk from Jerusalem, this dirty path, seven miles to get to an unknown, obscure town called Emmaus, and did not know who they were walking with until. 
until they sat down. And the Bible says that he broke the bread. And when he broke the bread, when he broke the bread, the Bible declares their eyes were open. Why were they open at the end of the journey? Why weren't they open when he was breaking down the Old Testament prophecies along the path? Why weren't they open then? You think they would have recognized Jesus then, but it was when he broke the bread. Why did they recognize him then? Because it was then and only then did they see the nail-scarred hands of the Savior. It, it, it was only then. You see, sometimes you see him more in the broken places than you do the blessed places. I don't know about you, but I've had some broken times in my life. And I've found that God is always there when I'm broken. God is always there. I love the blessed moments. I love it when we're in worship and everybody's excited. But sometimes, sometimes in life, I see Jesus more in the brokenness than I do the blessed places. Because God is there, friend, when you are broken. God is there when you are broken. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. But it's a journey. And what looks like an ending for you, it's really a setup for a new beginning. Stand with me today. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer, mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me in Jesus' name. It's simple as that. And I encourage you, find a good local church. If, if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.